0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, both now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, amen. So we started this series um, three weeks ago. I guess this is talk number three of the series, The Unlesses of Christ. So if I were to tell you, you know, are you going to heaven or not? I mean, I think a lot of us would be like, well, I don't know, you know, I, I'm a, overall I'm a pretty good person, but... You know, maybe yes, maybe no, and maybe it would be clear to you and me, or maybe it wouldn't be. And to us, it may be kind of gray, like, you know, it seems like Jesus loves everybody, but then again, like, there's all this, there's all these things where Jesus says, you know, like, these people will be cast out, these people will knock on the door, it will not be open to them, and and so I don't know, Jesus actually was pretty clear, he was pretty clear in his teaching, and it may be gray and fuzzy to us, but we're kind of taking just a couple of weeks just three, you know, three weeks or so, um, to talk about a few ways. Where can you look in Scripture if you want a clear? If you want some clear boundaries, if we want a, a clear line in the sand. Where can you find it? So um, at one point, somebody comes to Jesus and says to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? The question we're all asking, like, you know, what's my likelihood? Like, what's the pass rate on this exam? You know, is it like 3% of people pass this exam? Or is it like 97% of people? Not Not that it's an exam, but nonetheless. And Jesus says, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and not be able. And a little bit earlier in that chapter, he says, Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So he says, unless you, da 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 da, in this case, repent. So Jesus puts, uh, he puts a clause, he puts, he puts, um, uh, like, almost you could say, a condition. But if you notice, it's not something we all think that, oh, gee, I do a lot of bad stuff. So maybe I wouldn't go to heaven because I do a lot of bad stuff. But if you notice, this isn't this isn't because you did bad stuff. This is rather this, this is rather unless you do such and such. So this is actually not stuff you're not supposed to do but maybe stuff that some of us are not doing or we're doing, but we're not doing enough of. So, and for more examples, and and these are all old slides from, oh, sorry that it's not projecting, it will in a second. Or somebody just kicked me off the the Apple TV here. Uh, Sunday. Now you know what's going on in Sunday school. We're learning about Noah today. I bet you they're wondering why they hear it out here and not in there. (laughs) Sunday school is suddenly looking a lot more interesting (laughs) than what the adults are doing. Maybe we should all go over there. They have toys also. Okay. So back from our commercial break. So Jesus says, unless you, unless you, unless you, And so on. So in Matthew 5, he says, I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. We discussed that last week. In Matthew 6, he says, Unless you forgive the men, their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. It says, if you do not forgive. But that word, if you do not forgive, is the same Greek word. So what I did is I just looked up what's the Greek word for unless and I looked it up in the New Testament and I looked up all its cousin words and so on. And that's how I got, got you a little compendium here of the unlesses. So you'll see there's, there's some more unlesses. But there's other things that are just like the unlesses but they don't come off as unless. Instead of Jesus saying, unless you, he says something else. He says a story. He says a story, and from that story, you can tell that there are certain things that he is expecting us all to do. He wants us to do these things. These things are markers of someone who is walking in the kingdom path. These are called Jesus' parables. Not all of his parables have unlesses in them, but a lot of them do. There's a, some, a guy holds a wedding for his son, and there's somebody who comes in not wearing a wedding garment. And they tell him, dude, this is a wedding. Like you're like, everybody's here dressed appropriately. What, how come, what you, what's going on? And it's not, uh, you and I might interpret that as like he, was, he didn't come in a suit. But that's actually not how it worked. You were given a wedding garment. He refused to wear it. He didn't accept to wear the wedding garment. And so he was kicked out. And various and various other parables. The wedding of the vine dressers. The master has a vineyard and he leases it to some vine dressers and he tells them in the season of of wine, please, you know, I'm going to send you somebody to come and and get the harvest. And he sends the servants to go get the harvest and they go to get the harvest and they kill the servants. So, So he sends his own son. And they kill the son, and he says, "What will they? Do? What will the master then do to those wicked vine dressers? What did they? It's not. It's not so much that they killed the that they killed the people who came to them, or beat them up, or tortured them, or whatever. It's it's that they refused to give. To give what they were supposed to, what they were su- supposed to give. So from all of this, we gather that it's not only about the bad things that we do." Right? But it's also it's more about all the things that we don't do, and those are called those are called sins of omission. Things we omitted to do. Sure, there are sins of commission, cheating, murder, stealing, so on. You know, covetousness, adultery, and so on. But then there's sins of omission. You did not feed me. I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you did not give me drink. And it's almost like the sins of omission are more often referred to with the clause, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. These sins of omission, Jesus seems to care a whole lot about what we, maybe we forget to do. Today we're going to look at the Jesus parable of the 10 virgins. So Jesus tells this parable that there was a wedding feast and when there would be a wedding feast in, in, in their culture of the time, uh, if, you were, if you were wealthy enough, you would, hire, uh, you, you would hire an entourage, right? And the entourage would the entourage would be standing f- at the, from like the gates of the house to the gate of the city. Do you all remember some of you were here when the Pope visited us? As you walk up the stairs on the left, you'll see a picture um, of our congregation and a picture of the Pope that he signed for us, right? And when he came and visited us, right? We had, we had uh, most of our guests were seated inside the hall in an orderly fashion. Then we had a greeting committee and we greeted him from the street and we brought him in in a procession, right? So imagine the same thing. I'm gonna not tell you too much, but a little bit. In Jesus' time, the bride would be preparing herself in the home of her father, and they would be. Pre- they, they, the, the groom would go and invite people to the wedding personally they didn't have you know email or whatever uh, eventbrite or i don't know what facebook you know to invite people to stuff so the 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 groom would go himself and as he would go he'd go to people's houses and this and that and come in for tea and well it's a celebratory time so they'd go in for tea and then you know how it is in middle eastern culture tea can turn into lunch can turn into so this thing this this him going from his father's house to her father's house to marry her and to bring her back to his father's house this thing could take weeks or it could take days it depends on, on how loved the groom is right so the friend of the bridegroom would run ahead to prepare the way for him so he'd knock on people's doors them, remember you know so and so son he's getting married he's coming to your house next so say prepare the table and all right and so that's the friend of the bridegroom john the baptist preparing the way for him right all of these are allusions to things who were very common in jesus's time so what would the the bride's family do to receive this entourage of people now they might come at daytime they might come at night if they were to come at night or during the daytime, it would be nice to, for them to be received by somebody, but it would be nice for them if they're coming at night to have somebody to light the way for them. So they weren't like, they wouldn't be like standing like six kilometers out of the city, but they would be standing at the very least from the gate from the, from the gates of the property of the, of the father of the bride to the gate of, of the village or of the city, right? And they would hire young women because married women, you know, shouldn't, you wouldn't be out, you know, wouldn't be, Employed, You know, married women, their job is to care of their family there and so on. Right. They, you know, so they would hire these virgins. Right. And so they would go and and they often had a role as part of the wedding celebration as well. So these they would. They, so these 10 virgins are standing out outside. Right. And they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and they light their lamps. Of course, at that time, they didn't have like, you know, lighters and so on. So lighting, if your lamp went out, it was a big deal to go and find fire from somewhere else and to light it, right? And so they fill their oil lamps and they're waiting and they wait. And as they wait, they fell asleep. And as they fell asleep, some of them, their lamps went out. They wake up to what? To a cry in the middle of the night, is heard the bridegroom is coming and they so they look around and of course you can imagine the it's the five virgins whose lamps went out they go they look at the other five virgins and they try to light try to light their lamps from them and then they can't light them why because they're out of oil so they keep trying to light them they're out of oil so they turn to the five other virgins and say hey you have extra oil can you give us some and they say sorry go and buy from those who sell. They go, they run off to go buy some from those who sell. And what happens? The bridegroom arrives. He enters the house. The doors are shut. And the five other virgins come. They knock on the door. And they say, and the doorman says, who are you? And then it's the master says, who are you? And they say, where are the five other five virgins? And we got oil now. And they say, he, he says, Sorry, the door's shut, Party started. I'm going to look funny now if, uh, you know, they're part of like the procession or part of whatever. And these five virgins suddenly sneak onto the the stage. It's going to look kind of goofy. Sorry, sorry, honeys, go home. And they're shut out. So that's the story Jesus says. St. John Chrysostom kind of explains this parable to us. He says there's four parables. The one right after it, I wanted to cover it, but because of the time, I'm not going to. The parable of the talents. And after that is Jesus sitting on his throne, separating the sheep and the goats. He says, I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you did not, did not give me to drink and so on. Those are all in Matthew 25. And there's a fourth parable as well. right? St. John says, "For there, there are four parables in all, in different ways, admonishing us. Admonishing us means encouraging us and rebuking us, teaching us. About the same things, I mean about diligence in almsgiving and about helping our neighbor by all means, which you are able to use, since it is not possible to be saved in any other way. Sounds pretty clear. <laughs> it's all about being diligent in almsgiving. Almsgiving is, is giving of your goods to those who, who don't have and helping our neighbor by all means, which we are able to use. Whatever, whatever it is you're able to do. You might say, okay, Father John, but I don't have any money. Okay, fine, that's, that's fine. But helping your neighbor by all means, which you're able to use. Whatever it means you're able to use. It sounds really nice, Father John. It sounds, this sounds really clear. The story was nice about the 10 virgins and the wedding and the wedding garment, and all that stuff. But this is, uh, this is a lot clearer. Like, okay, now I understand what you're talking about. But wait a minute, what's the connection? What's the connection between this, between almsgiving and loving your neighbor and helping your neighbor and salvation and the parable of the virgins? So that's what we're going to talk a little bit about. So, first of all, why virgins? Why did Jesus choose virgins? I mean, there's, there's other people that were part of this posse. There's the wedding friend of the bridegroom. There's the friends, the other people that come to join the bridegroom. There's the people who are preparing for the wedding feast. There's all kinds of different characters. Why virgins? Well, in in Jesus' time, in Saint John Christ's time, and even in our time, people who choose a life of celibacy are kind of are kind of looked at like with a with a bit of admiration. You know what I mean? These people have made a great sacrifice for whatever cause it is that they have chosen. Let me give you another example. Um, my mom didn't interrupted her university education because she had my sister and then a couple of years later, she had me and then she wanted to wait until my sister was in school before she went back to university. She did that. Then she figured, no, I should wait till John's in school and da, da da this, that, this, that, this, that. And little did she know that, you know, as kids grow older, their problems get, as kids get bigger, their problems get bigger and not smaller. And so she thought, oh, next year, I'll be able to go back next year. So my mom actually sacrificed her, completing her university education her career for us my sister and i and our family and so i don't look at that sometimes a long time ago i don't think my mom feels this way anymore she would feel kind of like a little down on herself like you know like like her children are edu- so educated and and her husband and then so on but like she never she never got to finish her university education and and to us we look at her as like like, we have never done anything that's anything near what you've done because of the sacrifice that she made for us. In a certain sense, people who choose a life of celibacy, be it for God or for career or for whatever, you know, in a certain sense, we hold them in high regard because they've made, they've made a significant sacrifice for a cause, you know, hopefully a cause which is worthwhile, right? But nonetheless, it's not my place to, to, to judge. So in Saint John Chrysostom's time, that was very much the case. So he's saying even if this is someone held in high regard, they cannot make the cut. They cannot make the cut. It's possible. So even these even these virgins, right? This is just a quote saying saying that. What's up with the lamps? The lamp is the gift itself of virginity, of purity and holiness. The lamp produces light. And that's what St. John Chrysostom is saying, is that if you have a lamp and it doesn't make light, then it's not good for anything. You know, I have a microphone that doesn't amplify sound. You know, and I talk into the microphone and it can't hear me. It's useless, right? It's useless. Right? So the lamp is supposed to give light. St. John Christmas is telling us that we as Christians, that's what God made us for, to love our neighbor and to love God. But not love like warm, fuzzy feelings. Oh, those children on TV that are starving are so oh gosh, I feel so terrible for them. And then I carry on my merry way. No we're made we're made for good works, it says in Ephesians two right the oil he says is our humanity is almsgiving is compassion is to help those who are in need oil in in, in, in many uh, you know uh, f- until even till now in aromatherapy is used has healing properties you know and is often used is often used to in compounding medicines or or used to be right is Is used um, um, in aromatherapy and massage therapy and all of these things, right? Oil he's saying is 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 compassion. It's not even something Christian, it's something human. St. John Christmas is saying it's inhuman to have a foot-long sub and see somebody starving and and carry on walking. You know, like you have 12 inches, give him six. It's not human. It's not human to see people suffering and to do nothing, right? Let alone, let alone being Christian, let alone being an image of Christ, right? And that's, and that's what he's saying. He says, but by lamps here means the gift itself of purity and holiness, the oil is humanity and almsgiving, helping those who are in need. Why should we have extra oil? Okay, oftentimes you know I would read this parable and I think, gee, like, like the the five foolish. We refer, often refer, refer to them as the, the the ten the five foolish and five wise virgins. But oftentimes I feel like it's not it's not fair to call them foolish. Like it's not their fault. The bridegroom took forever to come, and that's why their lamps went out and took so long that they fell asleep. Right? So, gosh, it sounds kind of it sounds kind of harsh. Yes, but let's look at the story a little bit more carefully. Anybody here done a road trip recently? Yeah. Anybody? Yeah? Okay, right? Uh, I was supposed to go up on the cottage trip with the students uh, Friday and Saturday, but I couldn't go. And part of the complicating factor was that about 10 days ago, two weeks ago or something, I hit a pothole and I, I, my, pot, my tire blew and I'm driving on my spare. The cottage is about three hours away from here. So I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, am I going to drive three hours there and back on my spare? Uh, I don't know, right? Now I'll ask you, when you go on a road trip, do you open the trunk, pull out the spare tire and make sure it's well inflated? Do you check to make sure like, I tell you the truth, I do a lot of road trips, uh, I drive a lot of places for a lot of things, right? I fill up gas occasionally I'll check and see like did did we change like I think we're supposed to change the oil around now and I'll just change it early because you know I don't want to run it you know run into trouble whatever I usually you know I usually don't do more prep than that you know but you could have a spare tire sitting in your trunk that's deflated what are you gonna do by the side of the road in, in the middle of nowhere right It makes sense before you go on your trip to check and see what equipment you have and does it work, you know? Um, Back in my past life, when I used to do trauma surgery, when we'd hear that a big trauma was coming in, we would prepare for it and we would check all our instruments. Like we would check everything before like it comes fresh out of the package, we would check it because it's happened once in a blue moon where you're reaching for something to save somebody's life and it doesn't work and you're like, there's nothing more, more frustrating, more frustrating than that. So we would check, we would check our equipment.. These virgins didn't come prepared. They knew, they knew how long this could take. Like this wasn't the first wedding to ever happen in Palestine, you know, or Israel. They knew how long it could take. They didn't come prepared. I ask you another question. Now, these virgins, their oil went out and their lamps went out. These virgins, their oil didn't go out. Now, the, the, the foolish virgins didn't get reprimanded or didn't get, like, you know, put down because their lamps weren't full of oil when they came. It's because they didn't bring extra oil with them. So all the, so all the virgins came with a full oil lamp. But the other verse, the wise virgins came with another canister full of oil. So what does that mean? If the oil lamps of the wise virgins did not go out, that means that everybody fell asleep. But the wise virgins must have woke up at some point to refill their oil lamps because a full lamp wouldn't make it through the period of time. So that means that the wise virgins, yes, allowed themselves to fall asleep, but they were vigilant enough at least to attend to their lamps. They hadn't forgotten why they came. Our job is to hold these oil lamps and do whatever we're supposed to do with these oil lamps. They were focused, right? You and I's job here on earth is to love our neighbor and to love God. Don't lose focus. Another thing is, St. John Chrysostom says, is they brought oil, not only for what they were supposed to do outside, but also what they were supposed to do inside. St. John Chrysostom is saying, you need to have enough oil. We said oil was humanity, compassion, doing, loving your neighbor, being a human being, you know, nothing more. Just being human to the people around us and not disregarding them like they don't exist. Right? Uh, uh, Nicky Gumbel quoted this, but I can't remember who it was from. He says, oftentimes we love stuff and we, uh, he says, um, stuff was made to be used and people were made to be loved. We oftentimes get ourselves messed up when we do the opposite. Stuff was made to be used and people were made to be loved. We oftentimes get ourselves in trouble when we do the opposite. They were supposed to have enough oil for the greeting party and then they were supposed to have enough oil for, for, the, for the wedding party. Greet, go inside, wedding party. The foolish virgins brought enough oil maybe just maybe just for the outside and it wasn't even enough. Suppose they did make it inside. What were they going to do inside when their lamps go out? Right? Then they have like no reason to be there. Right? He's saying that about us. He's saying that we're here on earth to accumulate loving works to our neighbor. Jesus says something about this. He says, When you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet in front of you like the hypocrites do. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But. Your charitable deed, let it be in secret. And your father who sees in him secret himself will reward you openly. The charitable deeds that we do are made for the kingdom of heaven. They're not made for here on earth. I think I shared this story with you all about one of my friends who loves doing street work. One day, um, he was very far from God and he had a wa- an awakening to who God is. And um, he just started reading. the. the, the, He asked me, what should I do? I told him, read the Gospels. So he read the Gospels. He started going to church. And he met my previous spiritual father, who's now in heaven. And uh, he told him, I want to serve the poor. I want to feed the poor. He said, okay, go ahead. My spiritual father told him, go ahead. So he went. So he started It just randomly. And the church that I grew up in, because that's where he goes to church, tried to programize his ministry a million times and he would just refuse and he would start ministries and then abandon it. And just, he just liked doing this stuff alone, right? And then, you know, I don't know, how was it? Three or four years ago, there was a silver Jubilee for Queen Elizabeth. Well, the homeless people nominated him for a Queen, Queen, Queen Elizabeth Jubilee Award and he won it. Like there's like, I think 3,000 people or 30,000 people, something in Canada who won this award, Right? So he's telling me this. He was telling me this because he was asking me a question. He pulls it out of his pocket of his coat, the silver coin. He says, "You know what this is?" I said, "Yeah, I think uh, yeah, because I know I have another friend who won it as well." I'm going to show his for all his multicultural work, which is great. God bless him. I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So and so and this. He says, "Okay, yeah." He says, "Yeah." He goes, "I don't understand. I don't understand, Abuna." Jesus says, if we do the gospel, if we follow him, people will hate us and they will ridicule us and eventually they will kill us. And he starts crying. and He says, why is the world applauding me? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? All he wanted to do was to do his works in secret to please the heart of his father. I don't, I'm not 100% sure I agree with him that he did something wrong or that it's wrong that, that, that the world chose to celebrate him or not. This is the store of oil. You see, the oil that you have in your lamp, which is burning, is visible. Maybe the oil isn't, but the effects of it are visible. But the oil that you have in your canister that's hiding in, in, in your gown or is behind you, no one sees that. Until when? Until you go into the wedding, the wedding banquet, the kingdom of heaven, and you pour new oil in. We have to. I have to. God help me. Because I'm always in the public eye. I have to have something to offer the Lord Jesus Christ when I get to heaven that no one has seen. I can't bring him old news. I gotta bring him something that nobody, nobody's heard of. Only him. I've got to have something that I share with him. He is my bride. This is marriage. I have to have something I share with him that I don't share with everybody else. Imagine if everything in my, in my relationship to my wife was openly known to all of you. There's nothing exclusive. There's nothing. There's got to be something between me and him. St. John says, nothing can be more foolish than they who are wealthy here to depart to be naked there go and buy oil get out there and get yourself some oil i'm saying this to me john go go, go john get out there and get yourself some oil from where to whom from whom can we buy this oil St. John Chrysostom tells us, the poor, the poor. And the word poor here is, is, it can mean whatever it means. I'm poor in time, 90% of you people have jumped out, said, Abuna, don't do that. Your time is very precious. You go do what you gotta do, I'll do this for you. You saw me poor in time and you reached out to me and you reached out to my poverty and you came to elite to relieve my poverty. Maybe not, in, maybe not in my bank account or maybe not in this or maybe not in that in time. Other people have a lot of money and they have nobody to share it with. They're lonely. I mean, poor in human relations and so on. And, that's, and it's, it's obvious now why this is part of Matthew 25 because the next parable is about the talents and the one after that is the Son of Man comes, sits, sheep, goats, separates them out. How does he separate them? I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you did not give me to drink. I was alone and you did not visit me. Naked, poor, and so on, right? Poverty comes in many different shapes and sizes. In the parable of the unjust steward, Luke 16, Jesus says something very confusing. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, they will, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. What's he talking about here? He's saying God has given you money. Now he's talking about money, okay? Or time. Use your worldly wealth To gain for yourselves friends who can intercede for you. Wait a minute, you want me to buy friendships? This is starting to sound very much like buying indulgences or... This is starting to sound a little fishy. Right? No. He's saying that Sunday suppers that we do every Sunday, God bless the volunteers who do it and the people who cook and so on and this and that, costs us anywhere from $450 to $700 a week. That costs money. Right? I can, u- I can use that money to spend it on my selfish interests or I can use that money to spend it on, on the poor. Ministry costs money. Loving people costs time and costs money. And so, Saint Jesus is telling us here, he's telling us that in Matthew 6, he says, you can't take, you can't take it with you, but you can invest it in heaven. You can't, when all of us, you know, our time comes and it's time to go and we get buried here on earth, we leave all of our worldly possessions here except the ones that we chose to give away, that we chose to invest in the kingdom. Those will be waiting for us there. Blessed are you poor, says Jesus, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Investing in those and those who are in the kingdom of heaven. This might be a little too small, but we'll finish with this quote. Mother Teresa says, We think sometimes that poverty is only being hungry, naked, and homeless. The poverty of being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for is the greatest poverty. We must start in our own homes to remedy this kind of poverty. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me. Please pray for me we we'll stand and pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for loving us and taking care of us. Thank you, Lord, for trying to awaken, awaken us, to awaken me, Lord, out of my sloth, Lord, and out of my unfocusedness, like I've kind of lost the focus of the kingdom, of what pleases your heart, Lord. Although You say it very simply and very clearly so many times, Lord, thank You for awakening us to turn our eyes, to realize that we cannot be saved alone. We must be saved in a community, in a community of love, loving our neighbor and using whatever means we have, whatever means You've provided us to be helpful to to our brothers and sisters. Please, Lord, make this a community of love, in and within these walls loving each other and in the city and in the province and in the country and in the the whole world the love lord of the people that you have put here a great testimony to me and to everybody else lord let us be lord let us let us be lord your gospel loving you and loving our neighbor everywhere that we go and in everything that we do in your mighty name we pray through the intercessions and prayers of all your saints Lord do this work in us hear us Lord as we pray to you our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread